Welcome back, welcome back everybody. How are you all doing tonight? We got another episode of The Real Bible Talk. Sorry, I just heard my voice crackle. Uh, the Real Bible Talk series of The Edmo Show. Tonight we're going to be covering chapter 43. Uh, we're trying a couple of things out that's a little bit different. If you guys haven't heard, you guys probably hear just a little bit of bad music, you know, trying to set the mood. Uh, I just got hip to, uh, I guess Spotify has this new, uh, or not new, but they have uh, royalty-free music. So figured that might set the ambiance a little bit if you guys don't hear it, you know, because it's just me talking. And I know sometimes, you know, when I'm reading all these chapters, it can kind of get a little bit redundant. You know, I could sound a little bit monotone. So I figured I'd just add like a little bit more character to the episode. So if you guys like it, let me know. If you don't, hey. But um, yeah, I'm so glad to be back. Uh, it's just been a lot going on, uh, not just with the Bible, um, where we're at so far, but just in general, we've just been really busy here. Uh, we've just been catching up on a lot of things. Uh, we've been trying new ideas, trying to do new things. Uh, we're talking about new uh, stuff to do for the next part of the Bible series, you know, with uh, Exodus coming up and just so much others, um, you know, especially we shout out to Alfonso Rachel for being um, for being here just a couple weeks ago. We're trying to do more stuff like that. So if you guys know anything or anybody or if you would like to be on the show, please just give us uh, just give us a shout out. We can definitely hook something up because uh, I definitely want to do more with other content creators. I want to do more with more people. You know, we're talking about just uh, maybe just having like a little Q&A or, oh, sorry, they're adding like these little commercials on on Spotify. Uh, but yeah, I will just keep talking over them. But um, but yeah, we're, we're, we're talking about so many more ideas as we're winding down, especially on Genesis. It's definitely been a learning um, experience for me, uh, especially just... Doing this thing every single week, not just with reading the Bible, um, I've been learning a lot just comparing and contrasting the just how I started and where I am now. And I know where I am now, it's going to be different in the future. So I would definitely love to brainstorm, and especially doing that episode with Alfonso. Um, it, it really shed light on me just how much more I can learn with uh, having someone else here to kind of bounce ideas off of and all that good stuff. But um, but yeah, so as we are going to recap um, episode, uh, we're going to recap chapter 42. Um, after many years of accomplishments, uh, Joseph going from being a slave to being in prison. Now he is one of the most respected men in Egypt. His brothers pop up after so many years. And unfortunately for the for his brothers, they just don't recognize Joseph at all. So, but fortunately for him, he recognizes them and he puts them to the test to see if their character and that their hearts have changed over the years. And especially dealing with his brother Benjamin he his fear was he he wanted to see if if his brothers had treated Benjamin the same way that they treated him 
And, you know, uh, if you, yeah, just go back and recap. Now, 43, things definitely start getting more interesting. You know, he, he continues with this test. So we're going to start off. And if you guys, um, if you guys want to follow along, I am using the TLV version. That is the Tree of Life version of the Bible. Um, for those of you who are just now jumping in, uh, and, and if you guys want a little bit more clarification, like I do, I'm using Dennis Prager's uh, book, uh, Genesis, God, Creation, and Destruction, and that is part of his Rational Bible series. So if you guys want to just follow along, you know, please feel free, pick those up from wherever you get your books from, wherever you get your Bibles from, whether that be Barnes and Nobles, whether that be Amazon like I did, um, please, you know, the more the merrier. Uh, trust me, I got several Bibles here in my house. So I got King James versions, I got NIV, but to me, I like the TOV more and I just love how the experts give a little bit more. Um, they actually explain the book before you read it, kind of just, you know, just for more information. So, chapter 43, Judah pledges for Benjamin. Now, the famine was severe in the land. When they finished eating the grain they had brought from Egypt, their father said to them, go back, buy us a little food. But Judah said to him, the man warned us firmly, saying, you won't see my face unless your brother is with you. If you send out, if you send our brother with us, we will go down and buy grain for you for food. But if you won't send him, we won't go down because the man said to us, you won't see my face unless your brother is with you. Then Israel said, why did you do evil to me by telling the man that you have another brother? And and it's just interesting, you know, how all this this thing is transpiring. Like Jude, like Jacob forgot that he had that uh, that his other son, uh, Simeon, was in captivity or was was in prison. You know, he's pretty much saying, you know, why don't you just go down there and get some more food? He didn't even mention Simeon in this one, but his his um, his concentration. It, and focus is on food and also Benjamin. He does not want to send Benjamin at all. But also, Dennis actually points out and reminds us that um, that Joseph didn't say any of this stuff. So uh, uh, Dennis starts off uh, in his book saying Judah was apparently now the brother, the brother spokesman. Reuben the oldest chose to remain silent. He might have lost his credibility over his over-the-top offer of his son's lives as a guarantee he would bring Benjamin back safely and see Genesis chapter 42. In addition, Reuben had long before angered his father by sleeping with Bila. Aha, we almost forgot about that. Benj Reuben did sleep with, uh, with Bila, Jacob's concubine, the mother of his, uh, of his other sons, and it was explained to us that this was done as a way that she would not assume the position of a wife. It, you know, pretty much dishonor her or whatever. And Dennis continues, as regards uh, to brothers two and three, Simeon and Levi, Simeon was being held hostage in Egypt. 
and both had likely been discredited after they slaughtered the males inhabited in Shechem. Actions which infuriated Jacob. Judah, brother number four, stepped forward and assumed leadership. And as we continue, uh, Dennis also reminds us that uh, the truth is Jacob never, Joseph never asked this. The brothers volunteered the information about their younger brother. But now in self-defense against their father's accusations, the brothers made up this detail. And Dennis goes into great detail trying to explain this dialogue between Jacob and Judah. And he continues by saying, uh, when, uh, like, uh, saying that the argument was legitimate when, uh, when they were talking about, uh, bringing the brother to Joseph and why would it be, why would it have occurred to the brothers that if they told the Egyptian, um, visor that, which they don't know is Joseph, that they had another brother. He would insist they bring him to Egypt. Why would he insist that he bring him to Egypt? Judah echoed uh, Jacob's words when he initially sent the brothers to Egypt to procure rations, then uh, that we may live and not die. Using someone's words against them in an argument is very effective. And Judah, and Dennis continues, that Judah used legal terminology guaranteeing that his father would bear full responsibility for Judah. I mean, for Benjamin. So I guess I went a little too far there. So as we continue, um, it, what the Bible says, they said the man questioned particularly about us and about our relative saying, is your father still alive? Do you have a brother? So we spoke to him on the basis of these words. How could we possibly know that uh, that he would say, bring your brother down? Judah said to his father Israel, please send the boy with me and we will get up and go so that we'll live and not die. We and you and, and our children, I myself will be his pledge. You can demand, sorry. <laughs> You can demand him back from my own hand. If I don't bring him back to you and place him before you, then you can blame me all my days. If we had not delayed, we could have returned twice by now. So Judah's getting a little snarky with, with Jacob. And it's it's just interesting watching this dialogue because... They're just having this back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, because Jacob just does not want to send Benjamin, all because he's afraid of what will happen to him on behalf, because of what's already happened to Joseph. So he believes. So then their father Israel said to them, if it must be so, then do this. Take some of the best product of the land in your bags. Bring an offering down to the man a little balsam and a little honey, gum and myrrh, pistachios and almonds. Also taking your hand a double portion of silver. Bring back and bring back in your, uh, in your hand the silver that had been returned in the mouth of the sack. Perhaps it was a mistake. Take your brother too. Now get up, go back to the man. May El Shaddai grant you mercy. 
before the man so that he release your brother to you along with Benjamin. As for me, if I am bereaved, I am bereaved. <laughs> so finally, like Joseph, I mean, Jacob caves in and Dennis goes in and he goes into great detail, breaking down like all of this. And what he's saying, pretty much he's giving Judah a lot of credit for actually listening to Jacob. And oftentimes, and he, he said it, like, oftentimes when we repeat stuff back to people, it, it shows that we are actually listening to them. If you guys don't remember, when Reuben came back and had to tell, um, had to tell Jacob that Simeon is now in prison, he offered... He offered his own sons as paint as retribution. He told his own father that, hey, like if you know, we gotta go back. If we don't come back or if we don't bring Benjamin back, then you can kill my sons. Which is a bit much. It is it is a bit of a stretch. Now, but Judah is is saying, like, look, we have to do this. You know, we, we already went down there because of our circumstances. And now you want us to go back because of our circumstances. But the requirement is we have to bring back Benjamin. And the issue is if we don't bring Benjamin, we can't get food. So I'll take it upon myself. I'll be, I'll take full responsibility if anything happens to Benjamin. But all in all, if we have, if we need to get food, we need to do this. And Jacob begrudgingly does it, but he finally comes to and he gets with the program. And it, yeah, it, it, like this is a very, very good, uh, you know, uh, engagement back and forth. And Dennis writes about uh, the differences uh, between Judah and Benjamin. He said Judah represents representation was rather more sober and realistic than Reuben's wild offer of his two sons' lives. It often it is often tempted to speak as Reuben did, to use dra drama and exaggeration to make a point. It may work the first time and even on subsequent occasions, but once a person acquires a reputation for exaggeration and melodrama. The credibility is lost. Judah echoes uh, Jacob's words when Jacob rebukes the sons for dawdling instead of leaving immediately to procure, to procure provisions, thereby offering a subtle rebuke of Jacob, so uh, who was now causing him to dawdle by withholding Benjamin. And... You know, and and Dennis often and Dennis uh, made a good point when he talked about in his book about referring to Benjamin as your brother, and he says that by calling him their brother uh, created uh, for Jacob some psychological dis distance, or he may have been wanting to emphasize to his sons that Benjamin is their brother so that they remember their responsibilities for him. So sorry if I seem like I'm getting a little fast paced. Just got a kick of caffeine in my system. 
But I mean, this this chapter is like very, very, very straightforward. Um, it's it's a lot of dialogue, uh, kind of back and forth, and it's very like very well detailed. Um, and uh, Dennis also references uh, an explanation from Necmonides. Jacob avoids mentioning Simeon uh, by name because he is still angry at Simeon and Levi for their murderous violence in Shechem following the rape of their sister Dina in chapter 34. Whether or not Necmonides' theory is correct, the Torah does not record Jacob mentioning Simeon by name during the entire time his son was in captive uh, in captivity in Egypt. It is even possible that had it not been done had it not been for his family's dire need for food, Jacob would have allowed Simeon to languish in captivity. Jacob only asked his sons to return to Egypt when food ran out. In effect, Jacob said, while you're out, pick up your brother, uh, pick up food and pick up your brother too. And we know that at the end of his life, Jacob only had harsh words for Simeon and Levi in chapter 49. And just to give you guys a spoiler alert. And and especially talking about um, uh, Jacob's uh, statement, if I am bereaved, then I shall be bereaved. Jacob remarks expressed total resignation. Uh, he was preparing himself for the worst, which may have well been the best emotional strategy at such difficult junctures. Which, I, I, I mean, we I'm pretty sure a lot of us have been there in our lives where it's it's like our backs are up against the wall and it's like we got to make the best out of a bad and worse decision. I know I've definitely been there growing up and being faced with a lot of um being faced with a lot of things especially in the military like it, you're you're faced with nothing but but tough choices and while none of, none of the decisions that I made, there have probably been people who have made 10 times worse decisions, but even just in our personal lives, not even in the military, just in our personal lives, like, let's talk about finances. Like, when you got to, I, I know finances hit us all. I know there's been times where money's been short for me and you feel like, you know, you're doing all that you can do and then there's just no way, there's just no way easy, there's no easy way out of it. You know, where you got to really think about whether you want lights or you want food. And it's really like those choices. And I hear people, especially with children who who have hard economic times, you know, where whether or not like they can eat and they try to do everything they can to make sure that their children eat. I completely understand that sentiment. I've been there. I have been there in my early 20s. And it is not a fun place to be, but it's kind of like you got to do what you got to do and you just prepare yourself for whatever happens afterwards. But nine times out of 10, you know, sometimes just going with it, you know, you'll get through it. All right. Um, so they approached the man who was over. Oh, crap. I think I went too far. Yep. I went too far. The brothers return with Benjamin. That is the break in the chapter. Then the man took, uh, took this offering. They also took a double portion of silver in their hand as well as Benjamin. 
they got up and went down to Egypt and stood before Joseph. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said, uh, he said to the one over his house, Bring them into the house, slaughter an animal, and prepare it. For the men will eat with me this afternoon. So the man did as Joseph said, and the man brought the men into Joseph's house. But the men were afraid because they had been brought into Joseph's house. They said it's because of the silver that was returned uh, to their sake the first time that we are being brought in to pounce on us and fall and fall on us and take us as slaves along with our donkeys, which Dennis explains like this is kind of like a a redundant um thing because you're talking to and and it's like I kind of get it but at the same time after reading Dennis's explanation it's like it's like I see it both ways like for his brothers they don't really understand anything that's going on they're very they're very on edge you know they they're really like it's 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 kind of difficult to explain like they like they were they were already uneasy about the fact that they had returned with some gold in their pouches and and stuff like that and they thought like they didn't want to be deemed as thieves especially after the conditions that Joseph Joseph pretty much accused them of being spies so they already get this sense of hostility and unease and distrust and so now they're like, well, damn, anything that I do, like this guy's all over me. Like, I, like I, I just, it, it creates that, that energy. Like I can't trust them because they don't trust me. And yeah, but to, to another point, they're speaking to the second most powerful man in Egypt. And this man has support he has armies he has guards he has all types of other things if he doesn't have to stoop to any level if he wanted to get you he would have got you and dennis kind of talks about that in in the in the book and but more importantly uh one thing that i found interesting was uh dennis kind of explaining that maybe like this may be the first key evidence that we see of the Hebrews keeping kosher before it even became a law. He writes, Joseph instructs the, his Egyptian stewards to prepare food for his Israelite brothers. Since the Egyptians would not have been capable of slaughtering meat in a kosher manner, this verse was troubled. Uh, this verse has troubled those traditional Jewish commentators who believe the Israelites, or at least their leaders, kept the loss of kashrut even before those laws were even written. There is no reason to believe such laws were observed centuries before they were given. If anything, in conclusion to such details, should be welcomed as testimony to the Torah, uh, to the Torah's historical authenticity. Since, as note, on a number of occasions in the Torah had been written, meant, uh, written much later, it is unlikely the stories of founding Jews failing to observe Jewish ritual laws would have been included. And 
Yep, and, and speaking to the point of a trap, he mentions Hamilton uh, makes an excellent argument for for their fear it was unfounded. It never dawns on the brothers that Joseph has enough authority to have them arrested on the spot without having to resort to a dinner invitation. Now, so, so they approached the man uh, who was over Joseph's house and spoke to him at the entrance of the house. I, I beg your pardon, my lord, they said. We indeed came down uh, on the previous occasion to buy grain for food. When we came to the lodge and opened our sacks, behold, there was, there was in each man's uh, sack money at the opening of the sack, the full amount of our money. So we've returned it in our hand. Moreover, we've brought down other money in our hand to buy grain for food. We didn't know. Uh, we didn't know who put our money into our sacks. Be at peace, he replied. Don't be afraid. Your God, and the God of your fathers, has given you treasure in your sack. Your money had come to me. And Dennis, as explains some nuggets here, since the Egyptians would not have said such things let alone invoke the name of God on his own. Joseph undoubtedly told the steward to, what to say. And what he said must have further added to the brothers' belief that strange things per, perhaps divinely ordained were happening to them. All right, uh, we are almost to the end. Like This chapter is like very quick and to the point. Uh, but there's a lot of things that are going on, especially at the end. Then he brought Simeon out to them, and the man brought them <laughs> the man brought the men into Joseph's house, gave them water, and washed their feet. He also prepared fodder for the donkeys, so they prepared the offering for Joseph uh, coming at noon. For they have heard that they were going to eat there when Joseph came home. They brought him an offering in their hand into the house, and they bowed to the ground to him. Then he asked if they were all, if they were well, and said, uh, "Is he well? Uh, your elderly father that you told me about is he still alive? Your servant, our father, is well." They said he's still alive. Then they knelt. Then they knelt and bow, and bowed down. And. Uh, okay. Gotta just make sure I'm at where I'm at. Then he brought Simeon out to them, and the men brought... Oh, yeah, I've already read that part. See, dyslexia kicking in. (laughs) Then he lifted his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, and said, Is this your youngest brother whom you mentioned to me? Then he said, May God be gracious to you, my son. Then Joseph hurried out, because his compassion grew warm and tender towards his brother so that he wanted to cry. So he went into the inner room and wept there. And then he washed his face, came out and controlled himself, served the food, he said. So the servers, so, and this is the, this is the last part. 
So they served him by himself, them by themselves, and the Egyptians who were eating with them by themselves. For Egyptians could not eat with the Hebrews because it was an abomination to the Egyptians. They were seated before him and the firstborn according to, the, to his birthright and the youngest according to his youth. Uh, the men looked at each other in astonishment. Then portions were brought to them uh, from before him. And Benjamin's portion was five times larger than any portion. Yet they drank and made merry with him. And that's it. Now, Dennis has a whole lot to say about all that. And then I'm going to save my thoughts for the end. All right, so this also, Dennis writes how this also is a callback to, uh, to Joseph's dream that we were referred to back in, in Genesis 37. On this visit, the 11 brothers bowed down to Joseph just as predicted in the second uh, and the young, and in the second of his youthful dreams. Another, perhaps the most explicit indicator of the divine element of in Joseph's stories. Though the translation does not note the word shalom, peace, appears three times uh, in these two verses. That is uh, verse uh, 43. Uh, no, verse uh, 28 that he's referring to. Whereas the brothers could not speak a word of shalom to Joseph in Genesis 37, now... A, as one commentator put it, there was a a veritable burst of peace or shalom. And uh, he references verse 29, the Hebrew word for son, in some versions they say, my boy, when, um, when, uh, when Joseph is speaking to Benjamin, but in the Hebrew, which is why I like reading the TLV version, they already make the translation right there, it means my son. Why would Joseph refer to Benjamin, who, after all, is not all that much younger than he is, as my son? It is probably to keep up the act of the of the Egyptian superior uh, who had no idea who the Hebrews were. Now, Joseph, um, now Dennis has an essay that I'm going to read that he um, that he titles does. Chosen means superior. And this is in reference to the Egyptians when they could not eat uh, with the Hebrews because it was an abomination. So the Egyptians regarded themselves as a superior race. Uh, foreigners were viewed as unclean. Therefore, Egyptians ate only with fellow Egyptians. The Egyptian uh, particularism probably asserts itself even more strongly in this situation because the Hebrews were shepherds, an occupation viewed by the Egyptians as abhorrent. Excuse me. Had the Egyptians lived and dined along with the Hebrews, they might have seen these foreigners as equal human beings and might not have later enslaved them. Arguably, the most unique commandment in the Torah is to love the stranger. For example, Leviticus 19, verse 34, which we are not, we are nowhere near, <laughs> which involves learning to see ourselves in people who are different, perceiving others as real people, as real as we, as we are, makes it very difficult to mistreat them. 
the Egyptians believed that their racial and religious superiority was not unique. Almost every people in history, including the Jews, have considered itself in some way exalted. However, there are at least four significant differences between the Jews' belief in their chosenness of and others' nations' belief in their superiority. And then he goes on to discuss that and pretty much like how the Bible pretty much craps on the Jews and highlights all their deficiencies and highlights all their shortcomings. So it kind of takes away from them having a superiority complex, but rather being designed and chosen to be God's chosen people. Um, and he gives four reasons why, and I guess I'll read through it. The first, the Jews' notion of chosen uh, never meant Jews were inherently superior to any other people. The Hebrew Bible goes out of his way to make that clear. A prophet Amos said, for me, O Israelite, you are just like the Ethiopian, declare, declares the Lord. Amos chapter 9, verse 7. Second, no central, con no central text or any group or Bible of any religion depicts its own group as negatively as the Jewish Bible often depicts Jews, which it does. The Torah to cite by to cite but one of many examples repeatedly depicts newly freed Israelite slaves as ingrants and malcontents. That's in Exodus 16 and Numbers 11, among other places in the Bible. In addition, aside from that right to to the Holy Land, which itself was permitted once only only once the Canaanites have sunk to a particularly low and moral ethical level. The Bible makes clear that the chosenness confesses no special right, only increases obligations on the Jews. You alone have I singled out of all the families of the earth. That is why I call, I, I call you to account for all your iniquities. Amos chapter 3. Third, one could not convert to a group that was race or ethnicity based. And I'm probably going to talk about that at, towards the end. Um, a non-Egyptian could not convert to being an Egyptian. There was a racial element to the Egyptians and all the other groups' exalted status. In contrast, the Jews have always accepted members of other nations and races. Therefore, the Jewish chosenness could not possibly, excuse me, could not possibly have a racial element. Anyone who joins the Jewish people becomes chosen. Fourth, whereas the claimed superiority of any ethnicity or national group was never believed by any other ethnic or national group, vast numbers of non-Jews have believed or at the very least suspected Jewish chosenness may well be true. And... As he finishes, um, he talks about uh, um, he talks about in verse thirty-three, uh, as they were seated uh, by the direction from oldest uh, to the youngest, he says things keep getting stranger. First, their money mysteriously reappears in their bags. 
Then the vizier stewards told them their god must have put it there. Uh, then they were invited uh, to a meal of the home of the most powerful official. Uh, why would he take any interest in them? Now the vizier seats them according to their birth order. How could he? How could that have been an act? Excuse me. How could that have been an accident? How could he have known they had been? They had to have begun to suspect the steward was right. God was playing a role in their lives. Now, which I, this was kind of weird to me when I read it. He said, it seems Joseph was continuing the unfortunate family tradition of displaying favoritism. Uh, here he fed, he fed by the fact that Benjamin was his only full and opposed as opposed to half-brother, and was also the only brother not presented while the terrible crime was committed against him. The Hebrew word translated here as several is actually the Hebrew word for five, which was interesting. I didn't know that. And then he, he finishes off the chapter about how they pretty much got drunk. <laughs> now... I know I kind of felt, it kind of felt like I kind of sped through all this. Um, like I said, the chapter is very straightforward. It wasn't too much for me to really get into. Excuse me, mouth was getting dry. But um, Dennis, uh, Dennis, like always, he does a really good job explaining it and getting experts to explain it. Now, the one thing that kind of interests me about this, what, about this chapter was two things. And the first one I'm going to talk about is the the display of emotion and masculinity. This is probably one of the first few times that we see a someone displaying emotion that wasn't like grief or sadness and stuff like that. Now, you know, we see uh uh, Jacob, you know, displaying emotion when his son is taken and ex displaying anger and, um, and being displeased with his children when they do abhorrent things. We've also seen Isaac dis you know, we heard about Isaac displaying love and affection for his wife. And of course we, we see the favoritism, but you know, this stood out to me because it talked about how how the like you can feel the emotion of Joseph as, as you're reading this at least I did you know when he lifted up his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin his mother's son and said you know um this is your youngest brother um may God be gracious to you my son which it's like if if Joseph is supposedly be betraying this Egyptian figure you know, he talks an awful lot about their God, which, you know, to them should have rang a bell. You know, then Joseph hurried out because his compassion grew warm and tender towards his brother. Not his brothers, but his brother, Benjamin. So that he wanted to cry, and then he went into the room and wept. You know, and oftentimes, like, especially as men, we're we're told that it's not okay to cry, you know, that crying is a sign of weakness and all this other stuff. Obviously, this is not true. Like 
men have feelings. Men have emotions. You know, it takes an awful lot, at least for any any good man, it, it takes an awful lot for them to cry. And and in this, I can understand why. Like you spent third like almost 20 years away from your family. And then now you see them and you see your brother and it's like you're relieved that at least the brothers who treated you poorly are treating him well. But it talks about the self-awareness and the self-control. And in the next verse, kind of really, it explained it so well. Then he washed his face, came out, and controlled himself. That is the biggest piece right there that I think that a lot of men in society is forgetting on on several different levels. You know, uh, I, I've heard people talk about, well, you know, men are, boys aren't allowed to cry. No, it's not the fact that boys aren't allowed to cry. It's self-control. It's okay to cry, but it's not okay to break down and cry or to lose yourself in the moment or to lose yourself, you know, to your emotions. At least Joseph was self-aware enough to know to remove himself, take his time. And as men, we often don't take that time. I know there's been times when I haven't taken that, taken my time to myself when dealing with my emotions. You know, I'm only human. I can't be stoic all the time. I can't be stern all the time. I can't be stone-faced all the time. I can't just be, I can't be a rock all the time. You know, and the, and there's no shame in, in men showing emotion. However, the issue is when men begin to show emotion all the time. Or they get carried away with their emotions, whether it be anger, whether it be sadness, whether it be, you know, whether they're being overwhelmed with mixed emotions. You know, it's okay to, you know, take your time, you know, just just be self-aware enough to know when you're about to have that time. Remove yourself. Have your moment but don't get lost in it. And that's in a lot of things. I think in today's society, you know, we we often, you know, I know it's becoming popular now to kind of bash women, you know, for and this is not a jab at 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 at, at the the Uncle Kevin Samuels. This ain't a jab at him, but I know it's becoming vogue to to jump on women for wanting all these things and having things that they can't have but but for men we got to be able to to if we know women want these kinds of men and we want these kinds of women it's on us to position ourselves to get ourselves and go through things to cuz you don't get to be the top dog you don't even get to be a part of the the team if or to be associated with a group or a class if you're just if you can't control yourself to have that self discipline and oftentimes when we're talking about our women having these kids out of wedlock have living raising these kids and especially these boys and these 
destitute situations, oftentimes, and men, we got to take it on the chin on this one. We, the men, put them there. Even though these women are willing participants, they're not dodging bullets here. But I'm specifically talking about men. We got to have the self-control. If you guys haven't paid attention um, you know, to the Derek Jackson episode, I made a comment about a post that I made on Instagram that in, in a short form, anytime a man puts his, puts his penis inside of a woman or he has sex with a woman and he leaves himself in that woman, he's pretty much putting his life in her hands. And as men, we got to learn to stop succumbing to our emotions, succumbing to our desires. And I know it's hard, and especially with this society that we have now where it's becoming okay to just indulge. You know, we're in, there's nothing but indulgences from the food that we eat, the clothes that we wear, the cars that we buy, the homes that we want. You know, to have all these indulgences, that's not to say indulging isn't, isn't a bad thing, but when we lose ourselves to our indulgences, when we can't control ourselves, when we want to just keep indulging, especially in women, because trust me, I've done that in my earlier 20s. You know, I, I've I've lived that life. And yeah, it's fun for a time, but it gets old. You know, and then only thing you're doing is you're hurting yourself because so many times I talk to men, especially about marriage. And they're so quick to say, I don't want to be married. There's nothing in it for me. But you want the benefits of being married without being married. You want a woman to be loyal to you, but yet you don't want to be loyal to her. And because you don't want to be loyal to her, now you're looking at her side-eyed. Now you're looking at her and other women with distrust. Because you've had so many women and you've seen some of these women are broken people just like you. Or because you keep dealing with these broken people or you keep, in a better way, you keep dealing with your own reflection, you don't trust people. And it's so easy to not do that. And, you know, and the missus and I, we kind of had a conversation about this, especially about one of Kevin Samuels' most recent um, discussions that he had. And uh, pretty much he was talking about cheating, you know, in lieu of the whole Derek Jackson thing and high value men cheating. And I'm not even going to get on that topic, but too much. What I'm going to say is to what I got out of that discussion, women are so worried about, because they clearly want high value men, they want these unicorns. They, they want a unicorn. They want a winged unicorn. They already want a mythical creature. And now they want to slap some other things onto it. You know, they want this high value man, you know, and it's not, it's not good enough that he's a high value man, but he has to be a faithful, loyal, you know, only be about you high value man. And you don't want him to cheat, but you don't bring anything to the table. And as men, and what are we bringing to the table as average everyday men? Because Kevin, I'm gonna leave the high value stuff in Kevin Samuel's domain, but as average men, we're sitting here saying we're we're no better than the women that we talk about, the women that we gossip about, the women that we giggle about when we when we watch Kevin men like Kevin Samuels, 
you know, or Minister Jap and all them other dudes and talking about, yeah, get them. You know, we're no better because we're expecting Instagram looking women with wifely qualities that are respectful, loyal, that are dependable, that are trustworthy, but yet we don't want to marry them. But yet we want to indulge in these women. And then we lose ourselves to our indulgences. It's okay to have your wants and your needs and all that stuff, but remove yourself for a second. Remove yourself from the situation. Go through it. Go through your emotions and then control yourself. You know, it, it's just we live in an indulgent age. And I know that that's, that's a bit of a far cry from, you know, Joseph crying, but it all comes down to self control. And even. Men, like, if, if you've dealt with a very hard relationship, remove yourself. Go through the emotion. Go through the feeling. And then re-enter once you've controlled yourself. Once you've brought yourself back to a level of control. Because men go through bad relationships too. But instead of breaking down and then crying right in front of everybody because you've been through a bad breakup or you've been through a bad, you know, situation or... You really invested yourself into a woman and, and she didn't return anything to you or she ended up playing you. And instead of breaking down in that emotion in another woman and and handling her with anger and disdain and distrust and all this other stuff and, and you're just playing around with her, remove yourself. Remove yourself from the dating game for a little bit. Control yourself. Go through the emotion. Then once you're ready to re-enter the conversation... Bring yourself back once you've controlled yourself. Now, and I'm pretty sure this topic is going to pop up again, but secondly, the the superiority complex. And I know a lot of times on this show, and we've talked about you know Black America and all this other stuff, and Dennis was right. Everybody has a superiority complex. Everybody. Blacks have it too. You know, now we're in this age of of now we're bashing white people because we're 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 pedestalizing white people by by saying like they have it all and and all this other stuff and 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 some whites do have this superiority complex. I'm not going to lie and sit here and say that they don't because trust me, I've ran into some. And it's it's just funny when and not and this is probably wrong of me to say, but I love running into those kind of people because the moment when you tear them down, it is priceless it is so delicious to consume like when you run into someone who's so big on themselves case in point Derek jackson Derek jackson was so big on himself where he had this such a superiority complex you know that that it's 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 pleasurable to see them fall however like it's not good to to kind of live for that but as black people we're we're sitting here living with this superiority complex where we won't even come to the table to have a discussion. We're trying to force people to have our discussion where we won't even enjoy a meal with them, with anybody. You know, it's funny because we will, and I know no one wants to have this conversation right now, but this whole stop Asian hate, but when you look at the statistics, the biggest perpetrator outside of Asians, you know, violent crimes is blacks. But we want to sit here and and jump on this whole 
you know, stop Asian hate because a white guy decided he wants to shoot up a massage parlor. And the media told us, oh, it was white racism, so therefore blacks, we're going to jump on the bandwagon, even though we're the biggest perpetrators of violence against Asians. You know, it's now we have this, this superiority complex. I've seen black people where they won't even eat with someone who's not black or someone who's not even perceived as black. I've experienced that myself, being a mulatto, for those of you who know me. I don't look like the typical black guy, and I've experienced that. You, They won't eat with me because I don't look like them. You know, and it's not a good thing. And as Dennis explains, maybe if the Egyptians had a meal with the Hebrews, they probably would never have been enslaved. If they put their prejudices aside or their their own, if they brought themselves back to earth, they, some of the conflict probably would never have happened. You know, as black people, we, we put ourselves up on this pedestal while raising white people up to a higher pedestal, but we call ourselves kings and queens and gods and goddesses, but then we cry about white oppression, but yet we won't sit down and have a real conversation by conversation i mean you actually exchanging dialogue and actually listening because listening is the biggest part of a conversation and if the media and our social structure is telling us that race is an issue but we only want to have the conversation on our terms and then many of us don't want to have don't want to be real with ourselves and real with the facts so I've I've actually got a lot out of this chapter, even though it was so straightforward. Those last two bits, you know, of the self-control and the emotion, especially as men, and this whole elitist self-identity, you know, it, to me was the biggest lesson that I got out of it. And I hope, you know, that that any of you listen to this, I hope you guys got something out of it too. And like I said, I really want you guys to to really engage with the show. I'm I'm thinking about doing more stuff with the show. Um, I know we haven't really done anything with YouTube in so long. Uh, a lot of it is just because of just time and and energy and and resources. Um, it, it's just a lot, you know. It, it's it's only a you know it's a handful of us really you know putting in the work on what you guys get. Uh, most of the editing is done by yours truly. So, it, it, you know, I'm only one person. But I really want you guys to, you know, just really support us on what we're trying to do and, you know, help us grow. Um, and you guys can do that, and uh, shameless plug, you guys can do that by visiting our friends over at Wilder Tactical using that Edmo show code. But the biggest thing that'll help us out is by giving us rating us on on iTunes or wherever you get your your podcast um leaving us a comment please leave us a comment i love some of the comments that i see um it, it's it's very it, it keeps me motivated especially in this hectic busy lifestyle that i have sometimes the missus tells us tells me that i got to slow down but you know i, I can't <laughs> i'm sorry i love you babe but i can't 
Um, and you know, if you guys haven't noticed, we've been kind of we've been kind of off with our with our um, uploads lately. It's just been a lot. It's been a lot of stuff going on. Uh, don't nothing to really concern you guys with. It's just you know we we got lives outside of this, and it's a lot of work. And on top of other projects that we're doing, um, that take up time, which is why we're we're asking for you guys' support because I need the help. <laughs> you know, we're working on building a website right now. We're working on a lot of things. I like I'm really working on uh, getting you guys some video content. You know, because I know sometimes you know audio is great, but sometimes you guys want to see who you're talking to or who's talking to you or. You guys want to see some of the content. So one of the ideas that I have for the next chapter is to uh, make a, do the presentations on YouTube, you know, have the actual scriptures and stuff and have, you know, like a college, you know, cite your sources and stuff and um, have, so that way you guys can go find this information. And I also want to do Q and A's. Like I, I, I am going to take a plug out of, you know, Take tear a page out of Kevin Samuel's book where I want to engage with you guys. I want to have a conversation and not just me, but other people. You know, the mission, she's working on her projects too. Um, I want to have like a like a like a conversation with my audience. People who agree with me, people who don't agree with me, people who think I'm crazy, people who think I'm an asshole, you know, whatever. You know, I would like to to have that 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 dialogue and that interaction with you guys. You know, um, so yeah, just help us out. Uh, if you guys can remember, just, you don't have to give us money right now. <laughs> I mean, if you, we will take it, we would love to take it. Um, cause we definitely need to buy more resources, but definitely give us uh five stars in a comment. Um, and, and yeah, join us on, uh, on Facebook, get involved in the conversation. We've been kind of slow over there too, because it's just a lot to, to keep up, you know, uh, but we are growing rapidly so uh yeah so if you guys can please you know show us some love on uh wherever you guys uh can and please share the content yeah i i, I can't believe i forgot about that so uh we'll see you guys next time we'll see you guys on monday for a regular edmo show and i'll see you guys saturday for another bible episode where we will be covering chapter 44 and guess what we only got six more chapters until the end of Genesis, and bye-bye.